Rambling can either mean to go for a nice little walk, or it can mean to talk absolute rubbish. This podcast is both. Join me as I walk around the towns and cities and highways and byways and canals and rivers and hills and fields and forests of the northwest of England and further afield, all the while giving you rambling talk. Yes, yes, y'all, everybody. Here we are once again for another little ramble. And it is Monday, the 1st of March, 2021. The sun is shining and we have ever so slightly left Stockport. We are out of the borough of Stockport, but still in the county of Greater Manchester. We are here at Castlefield by the lovely Bridgewater. Well, it's actually where the Bridgewater meets the Rochdale Canal. And we're gonna have a lovely little walk down to Sale today, about five and a half miles, six miles roughly. But the most important thing is, I've got my first guest with me here today. My very, very, very good friend, writer, improviser, and what other, what other things do you do, Sean? Uh, drink, drinker. Drink, drink, drinker. Yes, we were, all, we're all drinking far too much during lockdown. Most important thing is one of my best mates, Sean Mason. Hello. How the devil are you doing, mate? I'm good. I'm good. It's, uh... Which way, sorry? We're going to go past down these, these people. Down these, down we'll the let these people pass. Yeah, let's go take a left. So, this, um, this route was actually your idea, wasn't it, mate? It was, because I'm inherently lazy and I didn't want to go too far from me house. <laughs> fair enough, man, fair enough. Uh, but yeah, basically this is the first time I've podcasted with Sean, I'll be honest. We've done many other things together. We met at university studying media and performance. Uh, so we've done plenty of other things before, but this is the first time we've ever podcasted together. It is. It is. And how is your, how is your local history knowledge? Um, poor. Poor. Uh, <laughs> right, yeah, good job. I've done a little bit of research yeah. then. But basically, we are walking along the Bridgewater Canal today. And uh, do you know when the Bridgewater Canal was opened? Have a guess. If you, were, if you had to guess when the Bridgewater Canal was opened. 1852. Oh, you're about 100 and... No, sorry, 90 years out. 90 years out. 90 years out. It was actually opened in 1761 by Francis Edgerton, who is the third Duke of Bridgewater, hence the name. And it was originally opened to transport coal from Worsley to Manchester, because he owned the collieries up there. And um, yeah, it's basically so he could transport coal to all the industry, the burgeoning industry in Manchester. Yes, I figured it was a coal coal-related canal. Mm -hmm. And if you had to guess on the length of the canal and where it runs to and from, I reckon you might know that. Um, I mean, length isn't all that matters. Um, <laughs> but well, I can tell you it's, this, is, this is the start of it. Where we are now is the start of it at Castlefield. Where do you reckon it runs to? Do you know where it runs to? And yeah. I'm going to reckon it goes at least as far as maybe Warrington or Runcorn. Um, you've got it. No, you've got it, mate. It runs, it, it runs to Runcorn. It has little bits that splinter off to Lee as well. But yeah, yeah, it runs all the way to uh, Runcorn, Runcorn even. And many people call it Britain's first true canal because it was the first ever canal which did not follow an existing waterway. Well, that's, that's uh, okay. Well, that's the thing. Like Manchester likes to be first for a lot of things. Hell yeah. I mean, at this point, for a little bit, it does echo the uh, the Irwell. Mm -hmm. So the Irwell is about 300, 400 metres that way. That, um, that, that way? It's a podcast, mate. They can't see which way you're pointing. To my right. <laughs> As we head, what? Do you know what? Do you know what? Wait, wait, wait. wait. Well, we're heading west, I assume, because we're heading towards Cheshire. Compass. Compass app. 
We are heading west. Yeah. Well done, mate. <laughs> so we're heading west. So on my right yeah, yeah. Is, is the Irwell. Do we pass, so this is something that I've researched on here, do we pass the uh, Bath and Aqueduct on this walk? I hope we do, because I've done a lot of research on it. <laughs> I can't tell you. You can't tell us, or is that, is that, is that secret or you don't know? That's because I don't know. That's because you don't know. Well, fair I enough, mate. Know. Fair enough. And something I actually found out only this morning while doing the research, and I don't know if everybody knew this or not, it feels like it was something that I should have known, but with your admitted knowledge on canals and stuff not, as high as I might have thought. Do you know why a towpath is called a towpath? It's because uh, horses, shower horses, used to tow right. the boats. I mean, I know about canals in, in general, but not, not like specific canals. Well, all right, because I wasn't too sure whether I was a thick bastard for not knowing that. It turns out you did already know that. I was like, oh yeah, makes total sense, because I was like, opened in 1761, and I just accepted the fact that it opened in 1761, like, but there was no industry there was nothing powered by anything in 1761. And I don't know, I just accepted that there were canal boats going along, but didn't consider how they were moving. No, well, the, the thing that always gets me is then towpaths quite often don't go into tunnels. Or not, certainly not long ones. So I think they had to use basically hands and poles. Yes. I mean, that's where ah, barge poles yes, came from. Yes, barge poles. That's why barge poles are a thing. See, I'm actually, I'm, I'm learning so much today. I'm learning so much today. I do love walking the canals, to be perfectly honest. I do it quite a lot around my way, around uh, Marple and areas like that. There's not that many boats around here. Uh, there was some, obviously, in Castlefield Basin, is it called? Castlefield Basin. A lot of those are kind of just permanently moored there, really. Right. Um, occasionally, I'll see, see a couple come in. Uh, the water taxi would normally run along here. Oh, there's, there's a current water taxi? There's a water taxi that takes you to the Trafford Centre. I have no idea. There's no point at the moment. And uh, I wanted to do it once, kind of a, on, a, on a whim, I thought quite nice, but uh, it's actually really expensive. Now there's a tram, so. Mm -hmm. So it's, surely currently, it's not really for the commute, is it? It's more of a novelty. It's more of a novelty, yeah. There's a couple of booze cruises I think can run from here, but I very rarely see them happen. I mean, I would, I've always wanted to go for like a weekend on a canal boat, but they're, it's actually really expensive, isn't it? Yeah, I've, I've had well a day, day on a canal boat. It's okay. actually really nice. Uh, you can't go over five miles an hour. That's not fun. If you, basically, if, if you're creating a wake, you're going too fast. And what's a wake? Go and break that one down for me, mate. So the, so the wake of the waves out the back of the boat. So uh, if, 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 if you're creating waves, uh, you're going too fast. Oh, shit. You've got to, and the hardest thing, particularly if you've had a few pints, you've got to steer in the opposite direction to the way you want to go, because it's a tiller. Is that with like the little, with, uh, like a cranky are, handle thing? Yeah, so if I'm going to go left, I've got to, I've got to push, push it away from me. Yeah, uh, okay. If I want to go right, I've got to go the other way. And you was, you was in control there, were you? For a bit, yeah. Where, where was this, sorry? It, it, was, it was on stag do. Stag, stag, stag. What it didn't turn out like the uh, stag doing peep show where they uh, where Mark and Jez go on the canal boat and end up accidentally killing a dog. No one died. No one died. I, was I, think, I think we did annoy someone. Right. Uh, who was a bit like, oh, these these day trippers, these these louts. But uh, I don't think lout when I see you. To be perfectly honest, no. right? Well, none of us on that trip I would describe as particularly loutish. All very civilised, mate. All very civilised. I mean, not me. I'm civilised these days. I'm a civilised person these days. You are? No, I'm not really. 
I'm what tamed, we'll call it tamed. <laughs> relaxed. Relax. More relaxed than we used to go quite so mad in university. Obviously, obviously nobody can do anything at the moment. So th this is what we're we're reduced to is walking down canals, recording it, and talking to each other, which is fine. It's very nice. It's fine. It's very, very nice. nice. So, importantly, well, I don't know if it's necessarily important, but I found it interesting. Obviously, we've just left Castlefield, and. Castlefield is basically the new name for what was the original Roman fort which became the city of Manchester, Mamukium. And um, I've read that today and I already kind of knew it a little bit because the first time I actually heard that, and I don't know if it's the first time that you actually learned it as well, was in a play that you were in a while back called New Dawn Fades. Is, is that, is that the, the first, first, first time, time that you learned? learned about Mamukium? Uh, it was actually. I think it's the first time a lot of people potentially learned it, certainly in, in the cast. It was, New Dawn Fades was, uh, to give it its full title, New Dawn Fades, a play about Joy Division and Manchester. So it was about uh, the history of the city and how that had informed the band, what they were into, um, how things had linked together. What character actually was talking about Mamukium? So it was actually Tony Wilson. So Tony Wilson was acting as both a character in the play, but also as narrator. Uh -huh. A kind of guiding presenter, much like he was in real life. I, re I remember you actually playing some old Roman character, like you had like a fucking, like a sword and a, it and a, what, what are they called? What are the things called? Armour. Armour, yeah, armour, yeah, <laughs> I don't know plate. what kind of armour, but you were wearing armour and had a plastic sword and a, you had a helmet on as well, didn't you? I did, it was quite an expensive prop, probably the most expensive prop right. in the whole play. Um, the, the, the play went through many iterations and I, I was involved in the cast from the start. But it was a relatively small cast, basically, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a cast of about eight. At one point it was slightly bigger. There were a couple of... Um, Basically, I was playing everyone that wasn't in the band, or Debbie Curtis, yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> uh, or, or Tony. Yeah. Martin Hannett was my most favourite role Hannett. that you played in that. Martin was definitely like the main role, I'd say. Yeah. And then lots of other piece, bits and pieces. And originally I was playing all the parts, mm -hmm. and then some of those parts got divvied up between some of the other cast members because it was becoming impossible to to but, jump. But you, you were doing a lot of running around like a headless chicken, a lo a lot swapping of, out from Roman Roman to bloody trench coat. Uh, a, a lot of running about, uh, desperately getting changed. Uh, sometimes only to deliver like two or three lines and then off again. Um, we had to simplify that. And the play started uh, as, as a fringe theatre piece, it started uh, as part of the Manchester Fringe uh, Festival and it was performed in a small room above the Lassagari pub. I, which... was I was there, I was there actually at that, that very, very, very first show in, yeah. Um, tiny, tiny room above the Lassagari. Lassagari, you know, is still there in building, but uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> maybe not, it's, in, it's, not in spirit. It's still a pub, but it's changed hands since the... Uh, the performance space has actually just been turned into a little... Uh, I wanna, don't want to say function room, because it's really too small for that. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of what it is. And um, weirdly, the last 
iteration of the play we did uh, back in 2019. We managed to do at least one one tour a year since 2013. So yeah, I was involved in the play for six years. Wow, was it that long? Wow, yeah. crikey. Uh, sometimes felt longer. The uh, So the last iteration, which at that point, there was only two cast members who'd been in the very first production. And that was wow. me and uh, Giles. Uh, who, who played who played, Ro- who played Rob Gretton, actually. So we actually directed the last the last production and we ended up uh, rehearsing in that room and it was it was very strange because it had been turned into a black box theater wooden flooring uh, a little stage a little kind of banked seating area mm-hmm. and this is a room that can only really fit banked above. seating above the last yeah, it was just just wooden blocks, but they could be moved about. So it was quite it was quite a, a surprisingly fluid space the way you could use it. You know, I did quite a few plays up there. But uh, now the pub is owned by Green King, and Manchester has lost one of its great small French theatre spaces. It has basically. I mean, how, what, you're in some place to sort of discuss. The Manchester French scene. You've been quite. You've been heavily involved in the Manchester French French scene for the past six, seven years, really, haven't you? Really. Yeah. There, there was. Um, but do you reckon? Sorry, sorry to cut you off there, mate. But like, do you reckon we're going to see a fuckload more places shut in? Because I do. Like Gorilla. Like it's not a French theatre venue, but like live music venues like Gorilla. Gorilla's gone. The French or the Deaf Institute's gone. Uh, I think some of those places managed managed to be saved, but then what happened since I, I went back into lockdown? Who knows? Honestly, I, I don't know. There's there's some places I think will weather the storm and will come out the other side fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, 53 2, which is a great fringe venue, had just moved mm-hmm. and they were meant to relaunch last year. That's all just been put on pause. The King's Arms, I think, they'll be fine, mm-hmm. which is another great uh, pub and theatre venue. But there are other, other spaces that I do. I do worry about, and and I, and I do hope they, they come through. I'm part of a, an improv comedy group, and last year, <laughs> like a lot of us, we had really big plans for last year. Um, we do uh, regular shows at the Waterside, which is where this, this walk is going to wrap up, basically. And um, we were hoping to start two new venues in the city centre and one of them one of them was still very hopeful for the other one it's kind of been radio silence so all ah, right so maybe they're in maybe they're in financial difficulties it's it's entirely who, who knows is is the answer we're, we're hoping now. You know, you, I, I see you talking very carefully now you're not going to tell us which which venue no um because i, I yeah i'm, I'm gonna you're going to exercise some uh, diplomacy there, maybe. Well, I also don't want to say for definite one way or the other and then find out that they're, they're fine. They've just been ignoring you, mate. They've just been <laughs> ignoring me, and I think that's rude. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> clearly, it's made, clearly, it's made me laugh <laughs> for some reason. Well, it, 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 is, it has been the, 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 the blessing and the curse of lockdown was uh, our improv group we do shows 
uh, we do workshops and various other related events but we don't actually own our own space mm. so when it came to the first lockdown it's kind of a blessing because we weren't worrying about uh, building costs and rent all of the associated insurance that comes with that and um, we weren't just looking at money just disappear. We could just go online um, and we, we started doing shows online mm -hmm. and we kept them free because we wanted people just to have something they could watch, particularly our family friendly shows, something to keep everyone entertained. But uh, there was an option to donate if you wanted, mm -hmm. which was which has been great and people have been really generous. We've we've had um, lo lo loads of uh, support you know however people can afford to do so we never pressure any pressure anyone into it it's just hey if you can afford to do this cool if you just needed some light relief and a bit of a laugh well we're here for that as well so you what kind of light relief are you providing there it's a family friendly show. It's a family friendly so show mate so. I could, I couldn't resist making a shit wanking joke. I just couldn't. It's not. It's very much in my nature. But now you very much embraced the online thing now, and you know, pretty much quite early into the first lockdown, you started doing them, didn't you? And you've done like, have you done, you've done basically a couple of weeks for over twelve months now, haven't you? We have done nearly one hundred and fifty online shows. Right, really, yeah. Um, which is kind of crazy, really, because. Because like I say, we don't have our own space, so we're booked in where we're booked in. Mm. We'd normally do around 20 live shows a year. Um, not including the Edinburgh Fringe, where you do about 40. And, you know, of, other bookings and the like. But um, it, has, it has been kind of, this is kind of mad. We've got people now who have joined the, joined the group um, either just as lockdown was starting or, or not long after. A couple of people who've only ever done online shows with us because of these circumstances, who have now done more shows than some of the people who've been with the troupe. Yes. For years. Wow. I mean, before you go any more into that, I suppose for those who don't know, like, just tell us exactly what comedy sports is and, 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 what, you, and what you do, the main things that you do. But the, mainly the main premise of what a comedy sports show is, I suppose. Yeah, so comedy sports is uh, an improvised uh, show. Uh, it's all what we call short form games. So things like, if you ever watched Whose Line Is It Anyway? If you're old enough to remember that. Um, yeah, it's on Comedy Central. Yeah, uh, it was on uh, the American version. It was on uh, Amazon Prime recently. And uh, it, so it's, it's, it's short games and gags two teams, red and the blue, uh, competing for your laughs. We have a referee kind of keeping things moving, issuing any fouls, because like I say, it's a family friendly show, so anything too rude or uh, a joke that just elicits a groan, you get the groan a foul. And the audience get to decide who, who, who who's Who's the funniest? Yeah, and it's just a really fun show. I mean, it, it's, it's family friendly which means it's a clean show anyone can anyone can uh come along and watch it 
but but it's not like a kid it's not a kid's show it's just a show that everyone's going to enjoy how long have you been doing it now i've been doing it now since 2007 so yeah 13 14 wow. years wow um i mean this year is actually comedy sports uk's 20th year this year yeah um so <laughs> we're hoping that our birthday show will be going ahead in November. We're also Oh yeah, 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 you got you'll be I mean, I mean here's me touch literally oh there is some wood. Touch wood. Yes. Um but yeah, you'll be golden by November. Well actually our, our, our regular venue has got in touch to say they're hoping or they're planning to go ahead uh with shows from May, which is when things are meant to open up again. So Yeah, no, excellent mate, that's uh, uh Yeah. But you're looking forward to it though. I am looking forward to it. Um it's gonna be interesting. Uh in terms of a lot of improv groups around the world uh, have these interesting splits in them at the moment where where half the people in the group really adopted and embraced uh, this I'll let them I'm into that actually I, I've done that sorry just two lads cycle past they've literally got like massive speakers in the pockets but yeah, I actually, I'm into that. I've done that before, actually. It's just like having a car radio. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't bother you too much, and then you're gone. You know, if you don't like the music, they'll be gone in a minute, because the cycling twice as fast as you're walking. Just like a comment on that. <laughs> uh, right, what was I saying? Um, November. November, yes. So we're hoping that live shows can start again in May. And we're going to have this really interesting moment where... Like I said, there's, low, there's half of us have really embraced online and just just gone for it. And we'll have picked up a load of bad habits because improv relies on a lot of eye lines and, and eye contact and connection like that. And online doesn't always allow for that. So we've got to, we've got to relearn to be in the room with each other. And then we've got people who haven't actually done in person. Ha oh well, not haven't done the online thing because it just wasn't for them. But there are a lot of people who, like you say, or a couple of people who have joined the troupe and have, you know, done shitloads of these, you know, Zoom video type ones, but haven't actually done in person improv. Yeah. Which is going to be. Um, I mean, I mean, they have they have done a bit. Like it wasn't like they've never done any. They've just never done any of our live shows. Yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens. There's actually fish in here. Uh, yeah, you'll start to see them um, the next couple of months. So when it was the first lockdown, me and my partner came down the, the canal quite a lot until more people started. So it's all cottoned on. Yeah, and then it, then it was, it was, it was too busy bad. and not enough distance. Um, it's not too bad today. But yeah, we noticed, you know, uh, there's, there's fish here back at Cusfield, the, the basin where we kind of started. We, uh, a lot of them spawn around there, so you'll see a lot of smaller ones. But there's, there's some I've seen, like the, the, the size of my forearm, they get pretty big in this canal, you know. 
I mean, I don't know if I'd eat one, like. Oh, no, I'm going to eat everything out of the canal. Um, but yeah, no, no, there's, there's some pretty big, big bastards in there. Do you know what fish they are? Big. Big ones. I want to find out. I want to say trout. They look trouty. God, we could we Google whilst we're going. This is a thing that people do during podcasts. It happens all the time. Just that I'm being my own producer here, so fish in the... You reckon the trout, yeah? I think so. Fish in the Bridgewater Canal. They were, they were Various big. species, including rudd, roach, carp, perch, bream, tench and pike. So none of those are really none edible anyway. trout. Uh, carp then. But look, carp is edible. I mean, you wouldn't want to eat. <laughs> you wouldn't want to eat a carp out of that scummy well, water no, there. Like, as I look at the fine skin of oil, oil and, and and crap that just just glistens in the light. Uh, no, it's not particularly. Not many appealing. people. Eat, I mean, people in this country don't really eat carp. It's an incredibly fatty fish, and like I've never ate it myself, but it's actually a traditional. Um, Polish dish that you eat on Christmas Eve oh, yeah. as part of the uh, you eat um, 12, 12 dishes on Christmas Eve in Poland. That's the actual main celebration day is Christmas Eve. I eat 12, 12, 12, 12 dishes, none of them containing meat though. I might be, I think I'm getting this right, I'll have to double check with my mum, but yeah, 12 dishes, none of them containing meat. Mm. We do have fish and it's something to represent the 12 apostles or something like that. Yeah, not the 12 days. 12 days. 12, 12 days of Christmas. Christmas. Which are the 12 days of Christmas then? From when to when? Up to the 20, from the, so would that be from the 13th to the 25th? Well, I'm trying to remember the last time my true love gave me a, a partridge in a pear tree. Yeah. And, and when they finished with whatever comes last. Oh, where am I going? That's something I never even ever questioned. Which days are the 12 days? Well, it's, it's all about 12. Is it 12th night? So there's, there's a cut-off point after Christmas, right. which I think is in, like the first weekend of January is when you have to take your, your decorations down. Right. Or it's bad luck or whatever the superstition is. Because yeah, I like to mix me, me, me pagan and Judeo-Christian. I mean, you are guessing right yes. now anyway. I'm absolutely but, guessing. But I've Googled it, mate. I've Googled it. The 12 days of Christmas is the period in Christian theology that marks the span between the birth of Christ and the, com the coming of the Magi, the three wise men. Uh -huh. It begins on the 25th of December and runs through to January 6th. Epiphany. Yeah, so that sounds about right, yeah. Ah, you, got, you, got that, you got that mainly right, mate. I mean, I say that sounds about right, obviously you've just Googled it. So I mean, it's, it's as right as www.thevox.com is, but that's what we're going on. Right now. Oh, we're passing uh, Old Trafford now, aren't we? We're passing Old Trafford. We are the two least qualified people to talk about anything football, <laughs> really. I, I have been to see, I did go see a game at Old Trafford. Oh, yeah. Uh, when you was, what, how old? Twelve. Uh, All right, okay, and you went with who? I went with my aunt's fella at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and I took a little gingerbread man with me. Right. That was my snack. I don't remember much about the game, to be honest. Uh, I remember it just being quite intimidating. At 12? At 12, no. yeah, because I think it's the biggest crowd I've ever been in. Yeah. I think the biggest, kind of, um, rowdiest crowd. You know, they'd all have, all have yeah. 
Were you in the Were you in the Stratford end? I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> I was in. I was in an end. You were in an end with loads of with loads, loads of big men. Big you men. smelled a beer. <laughs> yeah, really, really into football. And I kind of was into football when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, I was kind of into United because everyone was. But well, was everyone? Because you're from Cheshire. near Northwich yeah. originally. So well, was, were yes. the majority of people around there United fans then? Uh, I think Northwich is kind of halfway between Manchester and Liverpool. And Liverpool, yeah. So it was a fairly even split. But I only really remember people talking about United. Yeah. And. Yeah, I remember being very upset when England lost, I think it was Euro 98, 96, whichever one. It, was in, it went to penalties and it was pretty close and then we lost it. Do you want Gareth Southgate miss? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, even I remember that. The circuit's under the water. It's actually pretty clear. It's it? actually relatively clear here, just near Old Trafford, believe it or not. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, I can see the silt and all the, the crap that's piled up. You can see how interested in football Sean is. He's distracted by fish. Immediately. <laughs> uh, do, you, do you remember who they played? Another football team. Another fo So no. <laughs> I want to say it was Germany or something like that. Someone listening to this. Manchester United played Germany. No, uh, so I was, I was still talking about England. No, 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 no. When you went to go see United, do you remember who they played? All I remember about that day, other than my gingerbread man that I ate was um, on the way there'd been a car crash. Oh shit. Uh, yeah, it was quite a horrific car crash where, where a car had overturned and and everyone was rubbernecking. Because to be fair, it was a really impressive car crash. Um, if impressive is the correct answer. If impressive is, de yeah, I mean, definitely. People I suppose technically. have been injured. Yeah. Yeah, impressive. Impre I mean, it's impressive in the fact that... No, impressive isn't the right word when you think about it, really, is it? I mean, a car had flipped up onto its roof. And was facing the wrong way. It but was... they didn't intend to do that, though, so I don't think it counts as impressive. It was meant... Maybe spectacular. I mean, as much as as loaded as spectacular. Yeah, okay, spectacular is... It? Yeah, oh, OK. Oh. I mean, I'm, bit, I'm just being an anal like grammar Nazi now, but when I was just thinking about the word and what the word actually means. I accept your semantic pedantry. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you. I'm smiling, you've made me happy now. <laughs> uh, Sorry, mate, go on. What, so the car had actually flipped up and landed on its roof? Yeah, yeah. And the I, car was intact? Uh, well, yes. Uh, to a fashion? Yes. It, would, it had crumpled in places, but yeah, it was pretty, pretty impressive. Wow. Sort of spectacular. <laughs> well, no, that's... Uh... That's all I really remember about that. But you say you was, you was 12 years old, so you're talking over 20 years ago. Yeah. I don't remember fuck all from, from that age. Maybe if I, something triggered a memory, I would remember, but... And I don't think I can remember yeah. much from when I was that age. I went to go see a United... I mean, like, as you know, both of us are not into football. But I went to a United match once. I think, how old was I? I must have been maybe 18 or 19. And even though I'm not into football, I really enjoyed it. Because yeah. I was, by that age, I'd already been to like festivals and shit. Mm -hmm. So I like big crowds of rowdy people. I and I really, I really like the, 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 I found the atmosphere like amazing. Like everybody singing along the same songs and all that kind of thing. 
I think they play Charlton Athletic. Uh, I went with my mate Joe, who got some free tickets from somewhere, I can't remember where. And yeah, I was probably like 18, 19 at the time, so yeah, you're talking 17 plus years ago. Yeah. And I was kind of an adult at the time, I was a little young shitty whippersnapper. <laughs> but like, I loved the environment of match day and all this and that and I enjoy going to the pub when the football's on but like I just the actual sport itself just doesn't excite me at all. Yeah it is, it is the atmosphere and I mean I've, I've seen it get awful you know we, we live not far from Old Trafford so I've seen the crowds walking the streets after the match and I think there's an entitled drunkenness and mob mentality that can um, be is, is one of the major turn-offs for me is actually uh, the the fans but but at the same time the fans I, I've seen the positive side and, and gone oh I get it I get it you know I, I do like being in a pub um, I mean it's why I only really watch like England games because pretty much everyone's gonna be there for the same reason and no one's really gonna start anything um, and it's a, it's a lot more respectful and just fun. Uh, I remember getting back from, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd just done a trip to America with my improv group and come back. And that morning, having had maybe two hours sleep, gone to do uh, an acting job in the morning. And as I left, I went, I'm gonna, it was a lovely day like this. Uh, and I was quite tired and I had to walk home. So I, I got an ice cream, treated myself to an ice cream. And then the bloke was talking so infectiously about the match tonight that I went, I'm, yeah, I'm going to watch it, actually. Yeah, just because you could see the, the real joy in his eyes. Yeah, he was waiting was, for his end of his working day. Yeah, and it was fun. It was actually quite nice, particularly because I, I was exhausted. Mm. I had to watch something that I could just kind of just let wash over me for night. Yeah. So, what, so did you sit at home and watch that just on your own then? Uh, yes, uh, and then uh, a couple of days later I was in a pub with some mates and we mm. watched the game. I think football, like I say, is great. I like speaking like this as an outsider because I'm sure pretty much everybody that's going to listen to this will be at least into football a little bit, I reckon. And going, no, it's not like that. <laughs> no, I think, I, I, I analogise football to religion i think they can bring out both the best and worst in people well and any anything that requires that level of dedication well blind that... blind faith and following yeah but it's also true of like comic books and, and fandom so any anything that inspires a sense of community yes uh can be a real positive in someone's life yes but there's always the risk that there's going to be the rotten apples in the, in the in It's the match. just the fact that football is the most followed sport in the world that I suppose it's a lot easier to focus on the negative aspects. Yes. Because, because it gets like, media, because it gets coverage, coverage in the mainstream media. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, hooliganism's down, isn't it? I think. Well, it has to be, because we can't go. Because we can't go, yeah. Last year, like one of the first Millwall games, and uh, 
there's a lot of racist chants because unfortunately Millwall are very well known for it yeah, yeah it's like yeah. I don't know much about football but I do know that yeah but there's, but there's like I say they're, they're, they're toxic groups within all things because I, I was thinking about this last year like I'm not a religious person I went to church for a bit when I was a kid uh, largely because my uh, grandparents on my dad's side wanted us to so, so we went um, so me and my first sister first of three um, are christened and then Harriet my my, my next sister uh, isn't because my parents had split up at that point yeah so there was no pressing need to yeah to go to church and I did enjoy it you know I, I did enjoy the the community aspects of it. I never really believed in I th I think people who say they actually have faith that there is an almighty being I just think they they, they follow religion for a bit of comfort and community and, 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 and community because it's, it's easier community yeah it's it's where you take your 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 moral center from Mm -hmm. So it's like why we have favourite stories and favourite characters in films and TV or whatever because they've probably, probably inspired you in some way. Because I, I was thinking about this last year with, you know, I, I don't believe in, in, in Jesus and I don't pray, but there's, there's a moment from a Spider-Man cartoon, <laughs> Go on. which... Uh, I, I do turn to in, 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 in an inspiration when I'm looking for inspiration, which is, and they actually replicated it in Spider-Man: Homecoming, the first Tom Holland Spider-Man, which is why it's now my favourite Spider-Man film. Okay. Is the bit where he's trapped under a building, and he has to lift the building up, and despite all of the crushing pressure, he gets up, and he stands up, and he remembers what Uncle Ben told him in the film it's what Iron Man tells him and and he, and he goes he, he stands up and he and he keeps going and that moment I think is certainly with everything that's gone on last year where there have been times where everything just seems like it's it's never gonna end and it's just uh, Sorry, we are, we, we are at, if, we, if, if I end up keeping any of this whatsoever, we're passing a shipping container yard at the moment. Yeah, so... Uh, so that's why there's lots of, lots of noise and clanking. Who knows, there could be an action film being shot there right well, now. May, may, maybe that was just God saying, hey, stop talking about Spider-Man, talk about me. Or, or maybe, or maybe the loud noise was actually just, just Spider-Man like lifting a shipping container. It, it may well be. Yeah. It may well be. But yeah, it's just that moment as been to go back to and just kind of go what would Peter Parker do? But well, I'm sorry how, how was that and was was this analogous to a bible story or was No this... no just in terms of like so whenever I need some inspiration or just a reminder that yeah things can be pretty shitty but you'll get through and you'll survive and you just have to pick yourself up and keep going people will turn to the bible to get the same Right, I see, but you would much rather be you much rather turn to Spider-Man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, whatever works for you, mate. No, certainly, whatever works for you. I like that. For some reason, I like I do like, you know, like superhero films and and, and shit like that. But 
I don't know what it is. I just can't, I can't connect with them on that level. I don't know what it is. I enjoy them for what they are. I don't know. I just can't connect. I, I, I can't connect with him on that on that on that personal kind of human level a lot mm -hmm. of the time because these are such these big fantastical a lot of people use those kind of films as a form of escapism whereas yeah. you've just said you use it for the fucking opposite well no it, primarily it is is escapism but i've, I've the, the, the 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 point of the analogy i'm making is um that is a particularly inspiring moment to me so yeah um that's just a reminder that, oh yeah, okay, I, I did not have the proportional strength of the spider, but, you know, just 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 keep going. Yeah. You know, it, things are going to be fine. And people will turn to Jesus for the same reason, or they'll turn to... Football. Football, you know, I'm sure there's the, the, the people who inspire them, you know, the people who will have a bad season and then pick themselves up again. Have you seen the, have you seen the film Looking for Eric? I have seen the film Looking for Eric. There you yeah, go. Yeah, it's very much the same thing. Yeah. Brilliant, um, brilliant, brilliant film. Love that fucking film. I mean, is there someone in wrestling? Oh. I thought that would be your... Oh, from a character standpoint. Um, Mick Foley. Uh -huh. Mick, Mick Foley, without a doubt. Um, first in his sort of mankind iteration. And his, his, his character was... His character morphed, basically. But what uh -huh. his character came to become was somebody who always, always came back. And this was somebody that would take a real physical beating like a real hard physical beating. You must have seen the Hell in the Cell or at least seen clips of the Hell in the Cell where he gets thrown, so. thrown off the top of the cell. And yes, I've seen that clip. Basically, yeah. he was well known as somebody who would, who would take, um, you know, a, good, a very hard physical beating. Yeah. And you, basically somebody who just did not stay down. Aha. Basically somebody who did just not, just did not stay down. And through reading his books as well, like Mick Foley, the, the person who played the character, if you like, mm -hmm. um, and all, all the shit he went through to get to that point in his career, like all the, you know, hard roads travelled and not getting paid any money and lit, physically taking an absolute kick in. And in the end, he won. He, he, got, he got the WWF at the time championship. And I take a lot of inspiration from that because he's somebody who, who never, never gave up on his dream and wrestled in in his way like a lot of people called him a glorified stuntman this and that yeah. you're not a wrestler you don't know the technical holds in this like you do you just you just get your ass kicked and you're good at getting battered that was it that i don't know I, I kind of kind of took a lot of inspiration from that i don't know i don't know why in a kind of sick way <laughs> well it's because it's just the storyline you're taking from so it's not the, the the physical act of of having the chick kicked out of you yeah it's the it's the getting up again yeah, I suppose so. not giving up on your, on your dream or your aspiration. So yeah, Mick, Mick Foley is your Spider-Man. Or, or, my, or my Jesus, or, Jesus. or my Eric Cantona, whatever you, whatever you want it yeah, to be. <laughs> not necessarily as, as deep as spiritual as that, but everyone has the thing and that community yeah. that they latch on to. That's true. There you go, we're just focusing on the positive mainly, yeah. I like that. We'll, we'll, we'll ignore the negative, we don't need the negativity in our lives. Yeah. Mind if I drop one or two more facts on you again, mate? You may indeed. I did, I mean, I've fucking done my research, I may as well. I may well, as well. Before you do, let me just point out that uh, we just had a really in-depth, thoughtful discussion about the artistic merits of uh, blowjob graffiti defacing other graffiti, and it got quite academic and deep meaningful um 
discovered a lot of truths. Then I found out my mic wasn't working, so I don't think we recorded any of it. Okay, well, we'll, we'll rewind. Just as we were passing Stretford Marina, we went under another bridge. And um, there's, there's quite a lot around most parts of Manchester, to, to be honest, from, you know, from where we are to where I live in Stockport. Anywhere that there's a surface and not many people watching, basically. There's a lot of quite good graffiti art around. There's a really nice piece which covers an entire wall. And it had um, Odie. Odie from Garfield, wasn't it? Yep. And um, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was a really well done uh, like piece of cartoon graffiti art. And I was asking Sean's opinion on it. And what was, your, what was your opinion on the graffiti we were looking at? Well, I thought it was very good. And we were just talking about how there's a lot of really expressive uh, meaningful graffiti, particularly along the canal, canals in Manchester, lots of good walls and tunnels to paint on. And, uh, and then we were talking about the uh, no, no deal, no Brexit, suck my balls. And then I just had just a BJ and then like 20 hundred hours. Yeah, or 20 quid, wasn't sure. No, it was, yeah. it was two zero, then two dots, and then another two oh, zeros. Yeah, that's definitely, yeah. So that's, that's basically, that's more of an advert, if anything. Yeah. Yeah, like free cycle. Yeah, yeah. exactly like free cycle. <laughs> or uh, Facebook Marketplace. There you go, and, there you go. Uh, but it's all vandalism though, that's my point. Whether, you, whether you're doing this lovely, nice piece of like cartoon graffiti art, which probably took them all evening however you just scroll in the word wanker it's all vandalism really isn't it on a on a purely legal term yes. yeah yeah uh, and then we were talking about well if you have the original art is the thing on top of it vandalism and then yeah because i love i love all the like the the, the big graffiti art, but from the point of view of the law, it is all vandalism. Mm. But some of it looks nice and some of it doesn't. Ah, you bastard, I just punched the thorn. Quite quite a big one as well. I'm fine, I'm not bleeding. Uh, yeah, and then it got quite in-depth about artistic expression. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, yeah, because the, person, right, the you... person just scrolling wanker, they're expressing themselves as well. Yeah, at what point are you uh, not just contributing and, and reinterpreting the art? And... It got quite deep and wanky as a, as a conversation, so... Well, so do a lot of our conversations, mate. That's we, true. We, we met at university studying performance. Like, a lot of our conversations will get, will get like that. That just will Maybe happen. Maybe this wasn't worth revisiting. <laughs> Hey-ho, we did it, now it's recorded. It may not make the edit. So, facts, you have facts I was about me. to drop facts some facts. me up. I was about to drop some facts on you. You may or may not find it interesting. You can be honest in your response, I know you will be. Um, <coughs> So the bloke who built the railway, railway, the bloke who built the canal, yep. I should say, uh, Francis Edgerton, Lord of Bridgewater. Do you know where he, where he got the idea for it from? Well, nor do I exactly, but I know it was somewhere in Europe. Well, I'm going to imagine it would be Rome or somewhere like Italy, somewhere where they had canals and aqueducts. No, but basically what caught my interest about it is it's something that the aristocracy used to do quite a lot in the... Um, in the 17th and 18th centuries. Are you, are you aware of the concept of a grand tour? Um, beyond... Uh, the television the, show. The television that, show and, and the bike race. As its original connotations back in um, aristocracy. So it's what 
rich people used to do is they used to basically get on a boat at Dover, go over to Belgium or France and then travel all over Europe. And you're talking back in the 1700s and the 1600s and the early 1800s. And they used to do that to kind of like broaden the horizons basically. And the idea was to get information from the mainland and bring it back. And as much as that's kind of nice, I thought it sounds kind of wanky because it's an aristocratic thing. Mm. But it also meant that it brought back news and information from from the mainland back to the UK. It kind of died out, sort of, with the advent of the railway. Well, it's interesting that it's uh, started as an arist as an aristocratical. Oh, that's not a word. Arist aristocratic. That's the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've not had to do words properly for a long time. <laughs> um, Finger me, Bob. Yes, I was about to say we've got. There we go. There's a, there we go. We've just found. Finger me, Bob. There's just chilling. Got Again, some, we've got some funny barge names. Which implies that just chilling, the first boat must have sank. <laughs> because they were stoned and crashed it. Maybe. <laughs> finger me, Bob. Yeah. Mm. Sorry, we got distracted by funny boat Isn't names. Isn't that one of the, the graffiti said, finger me, Bob? Oh, no, so, he also, you, so, you wrote, so you reckon he might be a graffiti artist and boat painter? No, it was a different spelling of uh, um. finger me. Sorry, but you were saying you had an opinion on the Grand Tour. Yeah, it's just interesting that it started out as an upper class thing mm -hmm. but canals to my mind have always been more of a working class thing because they were connected with industry and, and well yeah this is very true but who do you think who do you think owned the industry well yes it was the owned by owned by the aristocracy indeed that's uh that's the tram going past don't know if you can pick that up oh, i'm sure i'm sure that'll be uh very legible Sure, I want to find that one. Well, go on. So, have a guess. I don't know. I'm just Googling it. As uh -huh. Everything, as everybody's everything these days. But, okay, so, Manchester. Well, there's the first just chilling, by the way. Trap. Oh, right, so it didn't sink. Oh, so this is just some big number one with fucking two boats. Yeah. Don't, well, don't, don't like it as much now, now that you own two boats. Oh, like someone, like there was a proper fight over the name. And, and one of them had to be, oh. They're just just chilling too. So when do you reckon the Manchester tram system started? Uh, well, um, I've got it here in front of me. I'm going to say some point in the 1800s. Come on, be more specific than that. Uh, I'm going to go with my earlier guess of 1856. Manchester's first tram age began in 1877 with the first horse-drawn trams of Manchester's suburban tramways. Closer than I was a, uh, about the canal, same guess. But... Electric traction was introduced in 1901 and then the municipal Manchester Corporation tramways expanded across the city. Well, if you go to Heaton Park, like, you can see the old tram line that used to finish there. Cool. And they've got a little museum where they restore Old yes, I've been to that actually. And chassis and... No, I've not actually. I've been, I've been to Heat and Pack and seen that last year when I couldn't go inside. No, you can't go inside <laughs> at the moment. When it, when it does come, in, particularly they're working on there. Um, the, the the people who work there uh, do it for the love. They're all volunteers. And they're always quite happy to have a chat and uh, and talk you through what they're doing. And and I, I'm always fascinated by people who just want to share the thing that they love doing. No, that's true. That reminds me of, um, God, so it was the last sunny holiday I went on. So I think that was 2018 or 2019. 
We went to Greece anyway, mainland Greece. Yeah. And um, as is my way, I don't like picking sort of popular kind of tourist destinations that most no. English people go to. It was kind of, it was a tourist destination, but it was mainly frequented by Polish people, Russian people, Croats. Okay. <laughs> so like there was hardly anyone there English. But it was a little uh, little town called Leptokaria, which is on the coast in Greece, just not too far at all from Mount Olympus. That was one of the reasons I went, because we wanted to walk up, or at least partially walk up Mount Olympus. But there was, um, there was like a bloke who had a geology museum there mm. in, the, in the town, and we're out of season as well, so there's hardly any bugger around. And we looked it up online, and it was like, you know, open between 12 and 4, and then it was like, reopens at 8 p.m. I was like, what kind of museum <laughs> opens from 8 p.m. till midnight? Maybe they have late sessions, like the... There's no one there, it's only a kind of a... put everything away and turn it into a, into a restaurant and a bar. <laughs> no, they didn't actually, but um, it was just this one bloke there, he was, a, he, was, um, he was a professional archaeologist. Right. And it was just him. And the fact that we came along, he was so, so happy to see mm -hmm. us. He was showing us all these fossils. He gave, he like, he gave us like a pretty well-presented show. Like, but there was just yeah. him in this small building. He told us all about all these geological rocks and all these fossils. And we got to play with like a shark mandible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And like, and he was, we must have paid, like I say, three euros each to go in. And he was, he was so, so happy just to tell us about fossils that he dug up and all this kind of stuff. And he can't, he can't have been making any money from it. My... He showed us his, uh, he, he let us have a look through his telescope and he was, even though he wasn't uh -huh. an astronomy guy, he was showing us like, what are all the stuff? Well, what, if it sounds if, if he's a professional archeologist, just with just a side hustle. Yeah. But those are the things I love. My, my favorite museums are the small places run by people for whom this is a passion and, and it can be as boring a subject as you like and if, if it's run by people who care and are infused and excited about it then yeah. it'll be one of the best museums you go to and you'll, you'll take away a lot more than you will just walking around a museum where you read stuff i agree it's like it's a shame we're walking down a canal today i've done a little bit of cursory research I, I don't know fuck all about canals i don't know about engineering and you, you did a load of research into an aqueduct which is on a different part of the canal that we're not yeah, going down. Yeah, yeah, I so. wanted to talk, and I wanted to see, because I've never seen it, the Barton Swing Aqueduct. Um, but it's actually, it's, it is on the Bridgewater Way apparently, but it's not the way that we're going. No. Apparently. And you know what, I've started talking now, so I'm going to tell you about the Barton. Tell me the facts anyway. The Barton Swing, well no, you might want to know about it. I that's do want to know. That's a very well, good point, John. So, it was a bit, so it's Barton upon Irwell, which is part of Salford. Mm -hmm. So the first ever aqueduct that was there was built in... Oh, so that was built along with the canal, actually. So the, the first ever aqueduct that was um, there, so it's the, it's the first canal aqueduct. So basically, you know what that is, don't you? Yes. Yeah, so basically it's a canal, but it's a bridge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it crosses the River Irwell. And it, it was the first navigable aqueduct actually in the world, apparently. No, oh. in England. Sorry. Um, yes, well, uh, to be fair, at that point, a lot of people in England thought that, that the world and England are the same, so. Yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. But yeah, it was built in 1761, and it was the first ever navigable aqueduct, like I said, and that, that was in use for 130 years, I think it was, 135 mm -hmm. years, because basically, 
The Bridgewater Canal was bought by the Manchester Ship Canal Corporation because that was the yes. time that the Manchester Ship Canal was also built. And obviously that was built so that it links up to the Irish Sea, so it became the port of Manchester. Mm -hmm. But um, because obviously larger boats were starting to come down the Manchester Ship Canal transporting things, what they then had to do was find a way to keep the Bridgewater Canal, which was obviously was used for transport in its own right, with its own routes to Runcorn. So what they did was they built the first and actually only ever swing aqueduct. So there are videos of it on YouTube. It's really, really fascinating. And it's a shame I couldn't have seen it today, but basically, when a large boat comes along, the canal bridge containing all the however many thousand tons of water, I don't know, basically <laughs> something just like slots in place, holds all the thousands of tons of water in place, and then basically it just swings out with all the water in it so that the boat can pass and then swings back, the gates are released, and then it becomes a fully navigable canal waterway. Well, and it's the only it's the only one in the world and it's a grade two listed building and the area around it since uh, 1976 has actually become like a conservation ground because what they're actually trying to do is to get unesco world heritage on right. it which would be quite nice a unesco world world heritage site in salford i hope so yeah, yeah. the um so, so my hometown has um same oh. person same person that built it the boat lift the Anderton, uh, the Anderton boat lift, yeah. yes. James Bridge, uh, James Bridgerton, I think his yes. name was. Yes. So, Northwich, um, Cheshire used to be uh, an inland sea, so it has a lot of rock salt, and it's where a lot of your rock salt for your your roads comes from. Uh, a lot of it still mined out of Winsford, and they used to pump it out from under the under the town of Northwich. They pump it out as brine, boil it off lovely table salt and uh, there's a lot of chemical works there you've got the, the river weaver flows through the town and then above that you have the canal might even be this canal they they needed a, a, a lift that could get canal boats down to the river pick up uh, salt and then take it back up to the canal so yeah they built this lift which is very cool and it's still going as a, as a tourist. So yeah, no, I've seen it, but just, just run us through how they, how they work that again. So they went down <laughs> to the mine to get the salt. Who went down to the mine to get the salt? Oh, so you're talking about the actual mining process? So no, 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 because you, you mentioned the mining process in along with the boat lift, so. Right, so, it, it's so uh, in Winsford, which is connected by the River Weaver, yeah. they have a mine and it's an actual underground mine. Yep. Dig it out, blast it out and all that stuff. In Northwich, they had uh, a slightly different approach, which is there's pockets of salt under the town. Right. They'd, they'd pump water in, or they're naturally filled with water. Right. You pump that water out, the salt is dissolved within the water, you boil that off, and then you're left with just the salt. Right. If you remember your... Ah, right, your, okay, yeah, yeah, of course. The no, GCSE... No, no. Uh, no, no, I'm following. I'm following. I'm following. So they, they literally just pumped. They didn't actually mine. They just pumped the water. They, they pumped out. it out. But what they actually managed to do therefore was undermine the town. So if you actually go down the high street, you can see buildings at different heights because there used to be a big subsidence problem. Uh, they it hasn't been subsidence for a long time because what they did was basically pump water back in. Right. Uh, to, prop, to prop it back up so again. To prop it back up. Right. Or, or, they, or, or they filled it in in other ways. But there, there are houses in Northwich, you can see them, kind of 1930s built houses. 
is around the last instance of subsidence. They have a metal, uh, a metal girder at the bottom of the house and then about three loads of bricks underneath. So if they have a sink, you put jacks under the girders, you lift the house back up <laughs> and you put bricks back there. Well, are those houses cheaper to buy? Um, no, a bit of an up and coming town at the moment, so probably not. Cool. Now it has excellent rail links to various... Are you moonlighting for Northwich Tourist Board? Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> you're, just, you're just picking uh, up the hometown, you, you, that's you absolutely fine. absolutely do Northwich in half a day. Uh, there's the Weaver Museum, right. which used to be the Salt Museum. Now it's just a general Weaver Museum. Okay. Uh, Lion Salt Works, which is where they used to pan and boil off the salt. And then the Anderton Boatlift, which, like, like your thing, would they'd sluice off the water they lower down the whole, the whole thing, and then you bring it up. And if, if you're really into your boat lifts, or just techn technological things, someone had to figure that out. Yeah. The Falkirk Canal in Scotland, there's the Falkirk Wheel, which is a boat lift. But what they have is they have two troughs, uh, so and they're both filled with water, and it just rotates. Wow. So um, the bottom level becomes the top level. Right. And vice versa. They, they just rotate it. And it's water powered. So they just take water from the canal, re divert it into the wheel. And then the weight is, the weight changes. Yeah. And it just slowly. That is cool. Yeah. It's actually a really, really impressive piece of, uh, engineering. Piece of engineering. Wow. Amazing. And you know, if, if you're suitably infused about something boring it's it's well no it's not well, like, like you just said like you said before anything can be boring or interesting depending on who's telling you yeah and my some of my favorite museum experiences so i went to the kurt vonnegut museum in indianapolis kurt vonnegut is one of my favorite writers we share share the same birthday so well day and month he was considerably older um, but it was from Indianapolis, so I went to the museum. It's only like a two rooms, uh, and basically you just get like a personalised tour. Cool. And they just show you bits from his life. I've been to some some great museums that are just very small, of no real. You know, they've they've, they've picked a small thing and they've really focused in on it. I'm all about small ship museums. I'm from I'm from Stockport. Mm -hmm. Like, have you been to the have you been to the Hat Museum? I've not been to the Hat Museum yet. It's, it's, it's long been on my list. It's not that impressive. <laughs> no. Well, what I've found is, like, I've been to the Pen Museum in Birmingham. I've been to the Pencil Museum in. There's a pen. I mean, Keswick. I knew there was a Pencil Museum. That's in Keswick. Yes. But there's actually a Pen Museum. As well. um, you'd think they would just put those in. The, you'd think they would just become one museum. Well, well, well again, it's it's the it's museum all about, of, um, of, of writing implements. It's all about the the local industry so ah, right. i feel like in in cumbria it was the lead that goes into pencils was a lot of it was produced in the area all oh, right okay and the pen museum in birmingham is there's a factory that used to i think it still does make uh, fountain pen nibs ah. so again anything with uh, some real artistry and skill and, and history can be fascinating but it all depends on on the people running it. So if they're, like I say, really infused about it, you'll have a great time. If they're just kind of there, 
I think I went to the Hat Museum when I was when I was little, and maybe because I was little, they were a bit more enthusiastic yeah. about telling me about the hat industry. And I remember, you know, I remember learning quite a few things there that, you know, are still sort of like pub facts that I say today, like the, you know, the, the mad, that same mad as a hatter. I'm pretty sure I learned that there, yeah. which they say came from uh, inhaling mercury. Right, yeah. Which, yeah, yeah, so obviously hat industry. I, th I can't remember what it was used for. What was it used for in hat industry? Oh, I've gone off topic slightly, but there's no beavers left in Stockport because they used beaver pelts for the hats for the hats yeah yeah for, all from down the river mersey and i'm pretty sure they softened it in urine as well it was softened yes. in urine yeah urine's used for quite a lot of things actually i mean like i said i don't know how much fact is in this but most of my facts have only been hard research well that's where they're saying apparently i believe piss poor comes from isn't it because, oh, uh, 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 no, sorry, no, not piss poor. Not, that's probably an extension of that. I've not got a pot to piss in. Because apparently, like I say, not fully researched, but apparently people who were really hard up <laughs> used to sell their piss to, to, to industry. Right. Because it was you, the ammonia was like used for like softening beaver pelts or whatever. Yeah, and I think it's used in leather. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but, but obviously, if you're literally selling a pot full of your own piss, you're not going to get more than a couple of pence for it, are you? No. Uh, so, yeah, so therefore, so poor that you do not even have a pot to piss in to sell your piss. Wow. So mm. you uh, But yeah, sorry, so I went there when I, was, when I was younger, and I remember it being a lot more impressive, and then I went a couple of years ago with, uh, with my wife, and I, I, I couldn't even find a volunteer to tell me about anything. There was the people that let me in, and then there was a load of old machines and like, you know, plinths with info on. Yeah. But there wasn't really anybody around to like, tell me about what I was looking at. And then that's because, obviously, it fallen on hard times. People weren't going, so therefore, you know, they probably couldn't employ somebody. You need that person, you need that kind of mad, that mad old bastard. <laughs> Their whole life has been. Yeah. And probably, you know, either worked in that industry when it was an industry, or as the son of, or the daughter of. Yeah and he's keeping it alive keeping the memory alive and i think once the memories go then it just becomes a museum where you're just reading things on a plaque and not really taking it in well if you want to meet a lot of those people like i say they may not come out ever again now because they, they will all either died off through covid on to be too too scared to go to the pub but used to hear a lot about a lot about that kind of thing from old fellas who would sit at the sit at the bar at the pub all day yeah hear all about that I didn't even say that a child did fall over. I think they're okay though. Yeah, I mean, we didn't, we didn't trip. No, we didn't. We, <laughs> yeah, it sounded very suspicious there, yeah, Sean. Yeah, we didn't. Like, it wasn't our fault. But it uh, <laughs> happened. So, just see if you well, hear like a foot <laughs> in, in the recording. Um, <laughs> it's fine. The child is fine. We don't know. We're, 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 a, good, we're, we're, we're a good 50 metres away now. We've got things to do. Important uh, things to do. The child wasn't on their own. The, she was with who I presume is mother. I'll presume. I, I, I would assume. Yeah. Parent or legal guardian. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what are you term shit museums? But, but they're not. Because actually they're the most interesting ones. Mm -hmm. They're the quirky ones. I know. So though I was talking about. Um, you could like you could learn i was talking about selling on piss that was a minute ago no i was talking about um a lot of 
people who you would get those stories off. Mm. Oh, yes. You, you, you used to be able to go up to in the pub and talk mm. to and learn, hear about all their old stories whilst they sit at the bar drinking, drinking oh, beer. But that's going to be, but is that going to be a thing? I mean, because you're not going to be able to go be able to, to the bar in a lot of places. You're certainly not going to be able to stand at the bar and talk to strangers. I think that it's going to come, it's not going to come back straight away. But that is going to come back because we are so sure animals by our by yeah. nature yeah going all the way to what we're talking about people finding community in something whether it be christ comics or football yeah um, we are social creatures so it, it will happen but I, we we are we have lost those some of those moments and those opportunities and yeah which is it which is which is a shame it's, but it's not stops anybody not stops everybody, there's plenty of people out drinking on the streets as we speak. Well, <laughs> Can't say I've not done it myself. This brings us to, to We're here, sale. we're here, yeah. we're at sale. We are here at sale. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so th this is going to conclude our walk then, will it? I think so. Right. I mean, it's the first I've walked in weeks, and I'm surprised to make this one. <laughs> you did fine, mate, you did fine. Listen back to this, it's just some of <laughs> No, you did fine, mate, you did absolutely fine. A nice swift five and a half from. Castlefield in Manchester to yeah. sail and we are right by the, the uh, sail waterside uh, is it the art center is that what it's called yeah this is waterside plaza right the King's Ransom pub the railway pub and yeah it's the waterside where sometime soon I'm sure you hope to be performing some improv hopefully from May we'll be back uh, tickets will be available soon but um, I mean I'm not just I mean obviously I'm bigging up Sean because he's oh, one of my no, best I'm mates but Especially if you've got kids, and I know some of the people who listen to this have kids, watch comedy sports, so it's comedy sports with a Z. Yep. If they YouTube that, will it just come up, or are they better off using something else? There's actually loads of uh, comedy sports teams. If you just search that, we'll, we'll certainly be one of the highest ones that come up now, just because of the sheer amount of online shows we've done. But if you do search um, youtube.com forward slash CZUK, it takes you to our page down and yeah no honestly do because if you what if you enjoy funniness and randomness and one of the main things is if you're playing it with your kids or if you're watching it with your kids i should say they make up what happens basically it's, it's based on suggestions so if your kid wants to put in a suggestion there's a good chance that suggestion will get used in a scene or a game and it's funny for the adults as well it is it's usually topical stuff as well a lot of the time as well so yeah yeah, it's... What surprised me about doing this is, uh, and I know you wanted to wrap up, what surprised me is, is how interactive it's remained. And going back to how weird it's going to be when we go back to life, one of the, the benefits for us has been the amount of interaction we've had with the chat in a way that you yes. wouldn't have with a live show. In a live theatre show, the lights are down, okay, it's quiet now, apart from when we come to you for suggestions or whatever. Uh, and it's st still an interactive show, but it's interactive in a different way. But it'll be interesting if people come back being used to having more of a direct dialogue with us during a game, even, than to go back to the old ways of theatre. I'm excited. I'm hopeful. I'm glad. Well, it's, nice. It's, ni it's nice to hear that you're hopeful, mate. And the fact that the sun's out and it's shining on this nice day, can't help but make you feel positive. So. We are trying to spread those positive vibes and 
yeah, I'd like to hear from any of you really. We do, I, have, I do have an Instagram now, so it's just at Rambling Talk on Instagram. If you'd like to engage with me in any way, I've only got a handful of pictures up at the moment, but I will. Um, did you take any pictures today, Sean? I did not take any we'll pictures. We'll take a couple now. We'll take a couple now. And if you want to engage with me in, in any way, and you can find the podcast anywhere really spotify pocket cast uh, i don't actually think it's on itunes i'll have to have a look at my anchor which is another place you can find it anchor fm but um, yeah it's been a lovely walk today and i will be back with another one very soon thanks very much <laughs>